Hello, my name is Michael D'Angelo. Welcome to Let This Mind Be In You. Or, if you're a return listener, welcome back. This is a ministry founded on proclaiming the gospel to the lost and exhorting Christians to remember that we have the mind of Christ. So let this mind be in you. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe with all of your friends and family. And if you'd like to reach me, you can reach me at ltmbiy at yahoo.com. That's ltmbiy at yahoo.com. I also have a Facebook page. You can find that at Let This Mind Be In You Ministries. Just search for that. Also, you can find us on YouTube at Let This Mind Be In You. Hello and welcome back to Let This Mind Be In You. On this podcast, we're going to begin the study in the book of 1 Timothy And we're going to look at the letters of uh, Paul to his son in the faith, Timothy. The theme, I guess you would say, for chapter one, we're going to talk about hope. The hope that's in us. The hope of glory, Christ in us. And uh, what we should be about as we gather together in our local bodies of believers as Paul has laid down a pattern. So join me now for 1 Timothy. Welcome back to Let This Mind Be In You. I'm Brother Michael D'Angelo here back with you. It's been a few weeks since we've done our, um, uh, as far as our weekly kind of thing. So I did a What's On My Mind uh, last week, but uh, I took a couple weeks off. I just wanted to make sure that um, um, I, I, I was uh, being led in the right direction. I wanted to pray on it. I wanted to study on it. And um, a lot of people, I put it out there to be praying about it. And, and, a, and a lot of people, uh, by a lot, I mean the, the ones that did respond, came back with uh, Timothy. Uh, so we're going to start out with First Timothy and start going through the letters of, of Paul to Timothy, his son in the faith, as we'll see here in a moment. Um, but I, I really, I really, really, really appreciate you uh, allowing me a couple weeks um, in order to take a little bit of time uh, to make sure as we start the next uh, book of the Bible that we're going to study through together uh, in order to let me do that. And I'm coming in a little hot here. So let me turn this down just a tad bit. Here we go. And um, so um, let's see. Like, share, subscribe. Uh, it's It's been a while. And uh, I had a new subscriber. I believe it would just be, it would have been early morning my time um, yesterday. Um, if you're watching this on, what is today? the 5th of November of 2020, um, I had a new subscriber on the YouTube page. So that was fantastic. They reached out and said uh, some nice things and said uh, they are a new subscriber. So I really appreciate that. And uh, I really appreciate everybody that has subscribed. Uh, click the notification bell and, and watches these videos. It's a blessing to me to understand and to know and to hear that feedback that somebody is out there and, you know, being edified. We're going to talk about that as well today. Uh, as we get into the book of First Timothy. Um, so please like, share, subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, please do that. I'm not monetized, so it's, it's, it's a way to help get the message out. Also, on if you're watching this on Facebook, which we're right there on Let This Mind Be In You Ministries, on Facebook, you can look that up and um, you can subscribe to that, I guess you would say, uh, or like that, and um, you can follow that there. Um, and let's see. If you like to listen, uh, so everything that I'm doing right now is being uh, recorded, I think. I got to sit here every single time. I have to go back in here and make sure, yep, I'm recording, so that's good. Um, Anyways, but um, all these things get recorded at the same time, and then I upload them to podcast platforms. So if you are on the go, if you're driving, you have a long commute to work, or you're working around the house and you would like to listen to 
good Bible teaching, uh, please subscribe or share and like uh, one of those podcasts. And you, could, you can find that on just about any platform. I haven't heard of any platform that I'm not on. Um, but if you have a favorite podcast platform that you like to listen to uh, messages or so forth, and I'm not on there, please let me know and uh, see if I can get on there as well. But all the major ones, you can look up, let this mind be in you ministries podcast, and it'll pop right up. It'll search. Um, there's only one podcast that I'm aware of with that name. Let this mind be in you ministries podcast. And, um, let's see. Oh, I always put out my email uh, so you can get a hold of me anytime you'd like, and I will try to respond as quickly as possible by email. I've always put that out. That's L-T-M-B-I-Y at yahoo.com. That's L-T-M-B-I-Y at yahoo.com, and you can reach me there with comments, questions, concerns, so forth and so on, and I'll try to address them as quickly as possible. Um, so I'm in Rota, Spain. For those that are new, um, I'm deployed right now. I am active duty military, and I'm deployed. Um, I'm away from my family, uh, my wife and two little ones. Um, but um, coming up on a halfway point, I, if not already past it, and um, hope to be home real soon. Um, I may not be here. Um, um, they may move me on to, to a different location potentially, uh, and I'll let you know if that happens because it will be maybe about a week or so before I can get back up on and follow through with first Timothy, but I'm really excited to get it started in first Timothy. Now I've labeled this, uh, you'll see it right in the first verses of, uh, first Timothy is hope. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things going on in America right now. And a lot of people, um, have things that they had their hopes wrapped up around, not me. My joy and my blessed is looking for the blessed hope. And we're going to talk about that real quick right now. So if you're out there and you're feeling kind of down or any kind of stuff like that, and you're a born-again believer, these things ought not to be so. Um, remember, we talk about all the time, have the mind of Christ. We're to be looking for a heavenly country, and uh, we're not seeking the country that we can see here right now. We're looking for that blessed hope. Amen and amen. All right. First Timothy. So this is the letter to Timothy. Timothy is mentioned in the book of, uh, yeah, book of Acts. And I should have looked this up before I got on here. I cannot remember. If you know, put it down in the comments below or whatever platform you're watching this on or listening to. That'll be great. Um, I'll look it up right after we get done here. But Timothy is first mentioned, and uh, Paul calls him the, his son in the faith. Uh, some have an assumption that uh, Timothy was saved, um, you know, as you know, Paul's ministry came and preached the gospel, and Timothy was saved that way. Um, that very well could be true, and I'm not disputing that in one shape, fashion, or form. Um, but it could also mean that when he says his son in the faith, that he looked at him as a um, sort of as a son, like a spiritual son, somebody that he had taught. Um, I think of my son right now. You know, obviously, um, I birthed him. You know, I, I well, I was half of the equation, anyways. Uh, my wife carried him, of course, but I mean, he's my son. He's my blood son. But I think Paul was using that term of endearment uh, because that's how the closeness of that relationship was, I believe, and didn't necessarily mean that Paul led him to the Lord. In fact, I believe in, um, it could be here, again, I'm sorry, I, I should have looked this up, but he talks about his his grandmother um, teaching him in the scriptures. 
So again, I, I will look that up for next time and I'll make sure I bring that up. Um, but he may have been saved already, or at least been a, um, I, I would say he was saved at a young age, a younger age, potentially through maybe another ministry. And as Paul came through, um, uh, he, Timothy, he kind of had that faithful servant kind of attitude around Paul and Paul saw that he was willing to learn and so forth and so on and follow the, follow the scriptures. Um, and Paul was the pattern as we'll also see in this, in this study. But anyways, that's, that's not neither here nor there. It, it doesn't really matter as far as why he calls him that, but he, he does, you know, we know he's not his real father. Um, but, but I think it's more of a term of endearment. Not necessarily that Paul was the one that led him to the Lord. Could have. Don't know. All right. Let's get started right away into uh, verse number one where it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. And uh, I just simply said, uh, for if you're listening to this on a podcast, this is about hope. And uh, I pray that you have that um, hope in you. Um, and you can give a reason, and you're ready to give a reason uh, of the hope that's in you. Um, as ambassadors, we are to be proclaiming the king, who we'll see here in a moment. And so we need to be telling people about the hope that's in us. As they come by us, no matter what the circumstances of life, we have the blessed hope. And always remember that, that our joy is not tied to the temporal the joy should not be tied to what's happening now in this world, but for the world to come, and that we look for the blessed hope. So I, I, I wrote down, obviously, I keep saying that the blessed hope, that's in Titus uh, chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 is just a few pages over, so we'll read that real quick. But it's the same thing. Um, you know, Titus is the another one what people sometimes call pastoral epistles and I'm going to I'm going to talk about that in a second here um, but here's another one in Titus but he says some of the, what the same thing uses the blessed hope here so Titus 2 in verse number 10 it says not poor loining but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our savior in all things okay for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men Amen for that. Teaching us that at denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. If you're trying, you're coming in your own authority, by the way, you have you're opening up yourself for a lot of ridicule and so forth and so on. But even but if you're coming in the authority, as it says here, with all authority, whose authority? The Lord Jesus Christ. That's the authority in which we come. That is the authority in which ambassadors give the word. There it's not any of their own authority, but because of who has sent them. The king has sent the ambassadors. We are the ambassadors in this world. So that's why we can rebuke, speak, exhort with all authority so that no man despise thee. 
Let no man despise thee. And remember, Jesus tells his disciples that they will hate you. They hated me. They'll hate you. But just remember, it's not you necessarily unless you are getting in the way that they're hating. Just something to remember. But let's look at verse number two back in 1 Timothy 1. It says, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith. Again, that term of endearment there, I believe. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ, our Lord. Verse number three is where another interesting word comes out when it says, And I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So I looked up the word charge, you know, because, you know, sometimes people think, you know, it's like a cavalry term, you know, like the, the you know, the horseback riding guy that's charging into battle, right? You know, the bugle plays and they say charge, you know, and, and that's to let them know to go. Yes, it's a, it's a directive, though, to go, right? Charge. But also, it says here in the Webster's 1828 uh, Dictionary, to lay on, give or communicate as an order, command or earnest request to enjoin, to exhort. It has a connotation of militaristic orders. Again, the Bible uses terms that we can understand. Now, again, as I, I started out, I, I am active duty military. I understand a charge. It's, a, it's, an, it's an order. We have been ordered, charged. Now, Paul charges Timothy here, but as we're going to see here in a moment, and as the rest of the study plays out here throughout the book of First and Second Timothy, that Paul is telling Timothy, I charge thee to do a specific thing. Timothy wasn't going to charge, uh, he didn't charge Timothy to go into these areas to say, hey, this is how I want things to look as far as um, it needs to be, um, you know, an elevated platform. And then you stand here and then you have an order of service and so forth and all that. No, folks, please, that is something else that came much later because of men's getting involved with things. What he's charging them to do is what we're about ready to see right here. He says to charge him that he teach no other doctrine. Was there other doctrines at the time? You better believe it. Um, there was already massive amounts of, of false doctrine already in the world. By the way, that hasn't gone anywhere. It's still here. That's why this is an epistle to all of us, I believe. Now, there's portions of it that are obviously to men, okay? Don't get me wrong. But this is something that we can, you know, not to gloss over First and Second Timothy and Titus because those are, quote-unquote, pastoral epistles. If you are a part of the Church of the Living God, it's to you. And it says here, no other doctrines. And, you know, and like I said, some say that these are instructions on how to be the bishop or the elder or um, the, the office of a bishop, the office of a pastor. Um, some say that that's what these are for. And as I would understand, you know, as you can see that it's all throughout here, obviously, about what to look for, though. But this is for the people, for Timothy, as he went to go set things in order, what he was how to find and what to be looking for. And now as Paul wrote Timothy, he's like, hey, look, this is what I want you to look for. It's instructions to us as well within the local body and what to look for amongst ourselves. Why? 
We'll see here in a second. But these faithful men, what to look for? Paul says this again to him in the second letter to Timothy in chapter 2 and verses 1 through 2, where he talks about faithful men, what to look for. So as we study through all of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy and beyond, these are for us to take for our learning, for us to see what to look for and to also reflect inwardly, first and foremost, whether we're having the mind of Christ and whether we are following sound doctrine, faithful in doctrine. Something interesting. Verse number four, they teach no other doctrine like what? It keeps going. It says, neither giving heed to uh, fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith, so do. Now, there's a lot of subjects that I would bring up. There's a lot of topics that I would like to bring up in my flesh. Okay, here's some things that I like. There's things that I necessarily may talk to some of you that have contact with me. We may be able to talk about on a one-on-one basis. But what I have to constantly remind myself is, am I doing this? Am I giving heed to fables or in, and endless genealogies or to things which minister? You know, I'm not talking to you about genealogies like the Jews did. This is Judaizers here, fables. But what really sticks out to me, which minister questions. If there's questions about things, we can discuss on a one-to-one basis and have maybe some differences of opinions and so forth and so on. I have to really understand and really be careful and very, very careful when as, I'm, as I'm talking through this. Instead of talking about things which may minister questions, I always want to just go to what the Word of God says, right? Rather than godly edifying, I should be looking for things that edify. Now, what is edify? Edify has a root in edifice or building. Does it build you up? Is this in the word of God? Is it clear cut, something to talk about, clear cut, thus saith the scriptures, that's the edification. Things that minister questions. I, I, not that I don't have my viewpoints, and some that I think are, are backed biblically. However, I want to try to talk about those things on a one-on-one basis as opposed to in this kind of a format where I'm teaching God's word. I will always want to be careful on that because I take this charge seriously because like I said, I'm not in the office of a bishop. I'm not. It, it, you know, am I, can I be a faithful man in, in doctrine and in, in study and in, in being about the word of God? Sure. Um, but I'm not leading a, a local body of believers and um, with a few other men that are elders as well. Not currently. I'm in Spain. There's nobody here um, to do that with. However, when I'm here teaching on this public platform, I try to avoid questions, things that minister to like questioning kind of things, what would be more considered controversial subjects by some. Um, I hope this is making sense. Those type of things may get 
more notice on this channel or um, they may get more stir up more things and so more people want to kind of tune in to see what I'm going to say next or whatever. But that's not, if that's somebody else's thing to do, I, I would caution with it um, and just be about the word of God. That's what Paul tells Timothy. Now, some have, you know, can say, well, this is talking about, you know, false doctrines and this, that, and the other thing. Absolutely. But I also believe that when it talks about uh, which minister questions, there was things being talked about that weren't necessarily false doctrines like heresies or anything like that. They were just things that minister questions. In this specific instance, it's talking about Jews and Gentile relationships. You know, the Jew, Judaizers would be talking to them about, you know, your, your Gentile and your scum, essentially, you know, <laughs> this is addressed all the time in the in these epistles to the churches. Um, and then also with each other, you know, Jews, saved Jews with other saved Jews, where they're sitting there talking to each other about, well, I'm of the tribe and the stock of Benjamin. Paul addresses this, too. It was a big deal in their culture. But I hope this makes sense, which minister questions, though. I want to avoid those type of things. I don't even want to give heed to them. And what that means is give enough, a lot of time and attention. If I take heed to my son or my daughter, you know, I'm giving, I'm providing my undivided attention to them, taking heed to them. So I hope that makes sense to you. I, it, that's, I don't have any of that written down. I just, it, it kind of came to me. Just do what is godly edifying. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Sometimes that edification or that edifying will chip away at your at your pride at your at all these different kinds of things at your sins and and different things like that you know the sanctification process and, and throughout your entire life that those things build on you strengthen you those that's the edification that I'm talking about and for myself as well all right verse number 5 now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience, and of faith unfeigned, from which some have served, swerved, excuse me, having, or have turning, excuse me, start over, from which some having swerved have turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. This was going on then, and it's still going on now. People desiring to be teachers of the law. Hey, well, this is what this says here, and let me teach you this. And, you know, you can, you can throw a rock on social media or any sort of digital type platform or on any street corner practically in the United States and elsewhere and find this. We're going to talk about this just for a few moments here that after he says, here's the problem and the reason Timothy is charged to teach no of these kinds of things, again, 2 Timothy 2, 2, because there's going to be men, zealous men, you know, men that are really zealous about the word of God and really going there. And that's why Paul was charging Timothy, and I believe to us as well, for our learning here as well, what to do with that. What should you be teaching? Should I be training somebody to teach a, um, a specific controversial subject of the day or so forth and so on? No. Preach the word, grace, faith, 
also not about the law, which is what we'll see here. Because it says in verse number 8, after just that done saying, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm, they have no idea what they're talking about, but we know that the law is good if a, if a man use it lawfully. Now, what does that mean? Well, I think simply that means Galatians chapter 3 in verse 24. So turn in real quick there. Galatians chapter 3. How am I doing on time? Good. Okay. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 24. And on to verse number 25 where it says, Whereof the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. It's not about the law. The law doesn't save you. What it does, it's the schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Now you say, Brother Mike, now does that mean we can just live any way we want to? No, Paul had remission of sins. He took away your sins. If you accept the fact that you are a sinner that cannot save yourself, which leads to that godly sorrow, which leads to repentance. Every single time, and you say, I'm going my own direction. I'm, I think I can do it on my own. Here's the law. Here's, have you broken these? Oh, yeah, I have. Well, what am I to do? Come to the end of yourself. As you come to the end of yourself, you, you only turn to that one that can save you. Only one way. One way. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So the law is good if it is used under it is used lawfully. Now let's look at verse 9 through 11. Here's some examples. Uh, ways, you know, Paul's not obviously trying to tell Timothy this. He should he knows these things, but again, he's trying to show this is a lawful way to use it. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man. If you're saved, you're not righteous in of yourself, but because he is in you now, you have been made righteous. It's his righteousness that's been imputed to you. It's all about standing, right? So I'm standing in front of God in my own righteousness, quote unquote, not good enough. I, no matter how good of a life I led, no matter how many of the things that I'm about to list off here, I didn't do any of those things. I, I Still, I was born dead. I have a sin nature because of Adam. But if I'm standing there and Jesus is standing in front of me, and I'm saying figuratively speaking, just like the Passover lamb, when he said the death angel came by, he said, I will pass. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The Passover, the blood, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Again, I am sinless, but not sinlessly perfect in this life, in this flesh. But my soul and my spirit has been taken care of already. It's already done. My body is looking for the blessed hope. Am I still capable of these sins he's about to list off here? Yes. 
I can't be sinlessly perfect. We just went through all this in first, first John quite a bit. So go back and look at that study. But as he goes through verse 9 through 11, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient. It can't be any more clearer for, than that. For the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for mince dealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, anything that's contrary to this, the word of God, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed, of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, Anything outside of this, you're going to try to live your own life? Nope. Held up against this, as it says here, anything that is contrary to sound doctrine, anything that is contrary to this, you're guilty. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, unless you are saved, born again, by what? the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Paul said, I'm revealing this to you now. He says that these things that were aforetime, that were just a shadow and a mystery, has been given to him to reveal. And that's why Paul always talked about, follow me as I follow Christ. When he gives the gospel, it's the gospel. And why does Paul have this type of attitude? Because Paul remembers who he once was, and he remembers grace and mercy. Look at verse number uh, 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Well, okay, well, that sounds pretty good. We'll keep reading. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Paul was one of the most religious people that you would ever meet. He talks about this of the of the tribe of Benjamin, you know, and you know, he was trained under Gamaliel, one of the most religious, like the the highest religious school that you could go to. He knew the law backwards and forwards. He followed the law faithfully as a good Pharisee. He says in other places, Pharisee of Pharisees, right? He did these things ignorantly because he was unlearned. How is it ignorant? He knew the word of God. It's because he had to be confronted by God. Paul or Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Well, he was persecuting just people, right? No, he was persecuting the church. Look here. When he said, and a persecutor and injurious. And the grace, verse number 14, of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Grace are you saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. Boy, to have that type of attitude. Paul 
it wasn't sitting here miring himself and saying, oh, you know, boy, woe is me. I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a sinner. You know, I've heard people talk about, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, you know, and they're thankful for that. That's more the attitude to have. But remember, he knew that he had been justified, saved. His sins had been cast as far as the east is from the west. Why is he bringing all this stuff up? It's because it's for our learning to remember that such were some of you. I think that'll help a lot of our attitudes on things. Not that we're sitting there saying, well, you know, I used to live this kind of a life and I, I talk and talk about your, your unsaved life and all this kind of stuff. No, that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is to remember grace and who you are now because of him. Not because of anything you have done. Because he saved sinners, which Paul was chief. So were you. So was I. So were anybody else that were once lost but now have been saved by the grace, his salvation, his free gift, his living water that is freely given, the gift of God. And it's exceedingly, and it says they're exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came unto, into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. How be it, verse 16, for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. Excuse me, to life everlasting. It's a pattern. Paul was giving the pattern. When he talks about the pattern, this is why I keep saying this is applicable to us in so many ways, to all of us, because it's for the church of the living God. It says this in 1 Timothy 3.15, and we'll get to that once we get to that portion of the letter. But let's just take a moment to look at this term, church of God. Because that's what he says, believe on him to life everlasting. This is the church in the macro sense, you know, the the overall church of the, the body of Christ, as it's been called. That is a macro sense, right? Everybody saved in this world is part of the church of the living God. But what is this pattern? How to live your life individually? Sure. But he gives also a pattern, but specifically for the local church the micro version of the macro, the larger overall. It's just a pattern for things. What should you be concentrating on in your local body of believers that that gather together? What should you be looking for in faithful men? Oh, the ends of their conversation, getting together, edifying each other, not giving over to fables and all these different kinds of things. It's not a social club. It's to get together and get rooted and grounded in the word of God to remind each other, hey, let's have the mind of Christ. And, and, and I, I want to make sure that I, people understand where I'm coming from because there is a difference. It's the same church of the living God. When we come together, we're still the church of the living God. I'm still a church of the living God because he is in me. But we still get together, many members, 1 Corinthians 12, so forth and so on. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
verse number two. I'm going to show you some differences. We'll bounce through these really quick. First Corinthians chapter one. I'm going to show you as I go through here. Actually, let's turn to Acts chapter 20 first. Acts chapter 20, because Paul gives another example of this. I want to read this first really quickly. Acts chapter 20 and verse number 17, it says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus, that's interesting because we're talking about Timothy being left here in Ephesus, and called the elders of the church, plural. Um, There's one church there in Ephesus, apparently. And when they were come to him, he said unto, unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, edifying for you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound into, into, in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus. Again, as we're reading there in First Timothy, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. That's it. That's all he was given. Of course, other things, but all came back around to that. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God. Okay, so all them that came together, the elders in the church of uh, Ephesus there, and there's other little churches, churches in Corinth and churches over here in all of Asia. He's telling them what that they should do. Overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Of course they will if they don't know the truth. That's why I want to give you just the truth so I can equip you, so I can equip myself, so we can equip each other to look out what to look out for. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Within those local bodies of believers, there's going to be those things that rise up. This is how you are to spot them and to recognize them, the word of God. Sound doctrine. Somebody comes up and is wanting to always talk about fables and and things that aren't edifying to the body there. It's like, brother, uh, let's get back to the word of God here. And if they want to know, I want to talk about this, that, and the other thing, pick a pick or whatever subject. Okay, brother, uh, you know, that's fine if we want to talk about that off, you know, by ourselves and talking to each other. But what does that have to do with edifying the, the church of the living God here in this local body? And like I said, I'm going to get back to this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the difference between the local and the macro in the sense. Still the same church of the living God. But there is a case to be made for the local body of believers, a local assembly group, where they meet and all that kind of stuff, folks. 
if you get your head wrapped around and, you know, thinking that you have to meet in some sort of building or something like that to gather together, sorry, you can get together, you can, whatever it needs to do, get out of the elements and so forth and so on. That is acceptable. But there is a pattern. There should be elders within that group. There should be people trying to make sure that everybody stays within the confines. Timothy was going out to find those people because there was these local groups meeting together and they're just kind of all over the place. We'll see that as we keep going. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 2, here's the church of God here, which is at Corinth. Well, I thought it was at Ephesus. It was all over the place. Still the church of God. That's in the macro sense or the micro sense there. It's the local body there in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 2. Now let's look at it in the macro sense. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 32. Let's see what it says here. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Is that just there in Corinth? No, it's applicable to all of us. We are all part of the church of God. Interesting. Let's look at it again at another one. The micro. A couple pages over, 11, uh, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse number 22. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? This is local. He's talking about a local problem that they're having. Is speaking about the, the, uh, the Lord's Supper, as it's been called. Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. So they were having a problem there in this local body of believers there in Corinth where they were having these big feasts and people that didn't have any of these things and so forth and so on. And they were doing this, calling it the Lord's Supper. Not good. He's writing to a local body that's having a local problem. That's also applicable to anybody else that could be having that problem. See, the word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Verse number uh, 9 of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. I know I'm I'm taking my time with this, but it says, "For I have, for I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God." Was it just at one place? No, church of God there is singular, but it, he persecuted all throughout Asia and all the different places. He was seeking them out. And uh, again, Second uh, Corinthians chapter one, he's speaking to the church there, the micro church, the the micro representation of the larger sense. But it's there. It's still local. Galatians chapter 1, verse number 2, the church at Galatia, the churches that throughout there, and also in the macro sense. So let's turn to Galatians, and we'll get back to Timothy. Galatians chapter 1. I hope this makes sense to you. This is the word of God. You know, I, I, can't, I can't sit there and try to say this is my, the way I would do it. But this is the way God has left for a pattern. He gave it to um, Paul, and he wrote all of his letters to the local bodies of believers. But you know what? It's applicable to us as the church of God, no matter where we're at. It's amazing. Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 2 says, And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Well, there's only one church of, of God, but there is churches. There's several representations, churches of Galatia. So all throughout that region, there was local bodies of believers that were getting together. Paul says, here's the pattern, Timothy. Set these things in order. And then in verse number 13, and we'll get back. Verse number 13 of Galatians chapter 1. It says here, For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, 
here's the conversation. This is all the stuff that Paul is talking about in First Timothy, how that beyond measure, I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. It wasn't just one spot. He went everywhere. He was on the road to Damascus. Guess what he was doing there? He wasn't going there for vacation. He was going there to beat up a bunch of um, people that followed this Jesus character. The same one that he saw um, was was prophesied and, and was preached about by a certain individual named Stephen. When Saul, at the time his name was, was sit there and witness this young man just give the gospel. Now, again, dispensationally, we're not going to get into that. Um, that's for a different time. All right, let's get back to First Timothy, and uh, I'm coming up on a few minutes here, so I want to just get the rest of this done because it's all important. I got sidetracked just a tad bit, but I just want to make sure that people are understanding this is what the Word of God says, not what Brother Mike has to say. It says, um, okay, uh, worthy of all acceptation, the Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners, whom I am chief. Verse number 16, how be it for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. This is the pattern to all of us. This is what we should be talking about. Now, verse number 17, unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, hmm, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I wrote down here, who is the king? Obviously, Jesus Christ, king of kings and lord of lords, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every mouth shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, Okay, so this is talking about Jesus, right? But it says invisible. Well, we see Jesus. We see Jesus crucified, risen from the dead, so forth and so on. How is this possible? Because it's speaking about God. At the same time, it's speaking about the Father. Same being, body, soul, and spirit. No man has ever seen God at any time. Who hath declared him, though? Jesus. By the way, this same king is who Isaiah saw. He said, whoa, woe is me. I'm undone. Like He's like, I have seen the king. I think it's uh, Isaiah chapter 6. I just want to check that real quick. I believe that's right. Isaiah chapter 6. Yep. I thought I remembered that correctly. Thank you, Lord. Um, so, again, who is the king? Jesus Christ. Is he invisible? No, of course, we've all seen him. Every eye will see him. When he comes back and rules and reigns for a thousand years, I can guarantee you that. He comes on a white horse with a sword that proceedeth out of his mouth, and he destroys all the armies of the Antichrist that are arrayed against them with the word that proceedeth out of his mouth, the sword. Gone. And he's going to rule and reign with a rod of iron. No one will have a question who the king is. Is he invisible? Do you, I understand how all this works? No, of course. I've said this a thousand times on this channel. Don't understand it. I just take it by faith. This is all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We see Jesus, but we don't see the Father. Does it make sense? Okay, I, I can just move on. All right, verse number 18. This charge, here it is again. Here is the in, emphasis, the emphatic directive given to Timothy. This is how serious it is. It's the same charge to us, ambassadors, fellow ambassadors. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, 
according to the prophecies which went before on thee. Remember, he had learned from his grandmother the scriptures. When it says there before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. See all this, this imagery here? You can understand, and especially in that time, they would see Roman soldiers everywhere. What did they have to be equipped with? Put on the whole armor of God. The word of God. You better take your sword, and you better be about this. If you're about yourself or your programs or your, your certain things that you want to get forward, I have this vision, how we want to go forward as this local body of believers. It's like, come on, folks. Follow the word. Be about the word. And God will take care of the rest. That's all he's told us to do. I charge thee. This is what we should be about. Why? That thou by them mightest war a good warfare. What are the things, the prophecies which, which went before on thee, the written scriptures that Timothy had at the time? And now, because we live in such a, we're so spoiled, we have the completed word of God that he has for us in our language. English-speaking people, if you're, not, if you're watching and you're not an English speaker, or you can't read English, um, no better way to start to learn by trying to learn the word of God here. But what I'm saying is, is that he's preserved it for us in the King James Bible. Why? So he minus war, a good warfare. You can't war a good warfare unless you have your weapon. Be ready to use it. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Now, we're going to get into something very interesting here right as I close out. It says, Of whom is Hymenus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. At, at first, when you see that, you're like, whoa, delivered unto Satan. There's some lost people that he's, you know, wow, they were some false prophets. They were lost, and they came into this body of believers here. And, and Paul says, these two guys... I, whom I personally have delivered unto Satan, and we think to ourselves, wow, hmm, they must be lost. Here's the warning. Turn over your Bible real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I think you know where I'm going with this, but 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it's a one of the things that Paul wrote the church at Corinth about in his first letter, and it's unbelievable what was going on. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse number 1. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one of that one should have his father's wife. Oof, okay. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. Remove from that fellowship that local body of believers there. For I verily as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present. He says, I've heard about this. Just like I'm there, this is what I'm judging. From the word of God here, concerning him that hath done this deed, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when he says my spirit, Paul had the mind of Christ. He had the spirit. He was surrendered to that in this. So when they come together, surrendered to the spirit, the spirit, big S, large, the spirit, the Holy Spirit, they should have the same spirit, the same mind. And my spirit was the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Uh Oh, we'll see. There you go. 
that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. This was a saved individual. Paul is warning Timothy. See this uh, this young man or whoever it was that had married his father's wife and so forth and so on. There was some other fornication, I believe, that was going on there. Second uh, Corinthians, he wrote it the second time. This this one was restored, but he delivered unto Satan. I believe what this is talking about, the same thing he's talking about here in Hymenus and Alexander, delivered unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. I think this is just at some times you have to remove people and some people say, well, you kick them out of your No, just give them the word of God. And I will tell you, folks, a lot of people just leave on their own. If you hold fast to sound doctrine, we're not going to tolerate that blasphemy here. This is what the word of God says. I, out of love, I wanted to, but see this, apparently these two gentlemen were not listening. But I do believe, Paul believed that they were saved. Um, it, it could mean that they were lost, but... I use the example of 1 Corinthians 5 for a reason. is because this was a saved individual. Their spirit, their, their spirit was secured, okay? They were sealed until the day of redemption. There's no losing salvation. Like, oh, or we're going to excommunicate you. Now you're out of the church of the living God. You can't do that. You didn't have anything to do with them getting into it. <laughs> we're all saved. Church of the Living God, but in the micro sense, at the local body of believers, faithful men know the Word of God, so you can sh- you can see these individuals and hold them account who- with whose authority, not yours. This authority. There's going to be a lot of things that are shown here as a pattern as we get through the rest of First Timothy, and some may say, "Well, this is just for teachers or pastors," quote unquote. I don't think so. I think it's for everybody within the body of believers. Obviously, um, the men have the role of the office of a bishop. We'll talk about that as we get along later on. Um, But you need to be a faithful man first. You need to be about the word of God and not about all this extemporaneous, all this external stuff. If If you can really get a hold of that, because that's what the Word of God tells us to do. That's the pattern. To not be about these other things, but about the hope that is in you. Christ in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. I'm going to look up that. I, I should have looked that up earlier. I'm going to finish up with that. Uh, just bear with me one Second. Yeah. Colossians 1 and verse number 27. The Bible says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So as this is labeled hope, as we began the study in First Timothy, how do we have hope? remembering the hope that is in us, the hope of glory. The word of God, be about this. Be about the mind of Christ. He poured out his his spirit, the spirit of Christ in us. We have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2 says. 
Now, are you removing yourself and having the mind of Christ, or are you having your own mind and things? This is the pattern. This is what we are to abide by, the word of God. When you get together as a local body of believers, it's not because um, that's just something that you should be doing as some sort of social thing. And well, you know, no, that's what the world is trying to turn it into. When we come together, we're there for edify, edifying each other, holding each other up, esteeming each other more highly than we esteem each other uh, ourselves. Having the mind of Christ. Read Philippians two and, and verses one through five again. Another church, another local body of believers, but still applicable to every single one of us while we gather together in our local body. So have the mind of Christ because he set that pattern, Paul did, to Timothy, to give to us. So we can read it almost 2,000 years later and, and be humbled and be very convicted on the need to be together as a local body of believers. And what the pattern should be. What should we be about? What is the example? There it is. All right, I love you in the Lord. Thank you for joining me on this news, start of the new study, uh, the new book. Um, it's not new, obviously, it's been around, but um, just a chance to study through it together. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Love you in the Lord. And um, Lord willing, we'll be on here next week once again to talk about First Corinthians or First Timothy chapter two. So Anyways, I'll be it for now. God bless you.